I'm very sleepy right now. I <laughs> I did a show in Rhode Island last night as part of like the Rogue Island Comedy Festival, and through like a series of blunders, not blunders, but just um, misschedulings, I could only do like I ended up doing just one show and couldn't book anything else in New England, so I just did a day trip up and back. Oh man, yeah, That's and brutal. then. I, I know, and then, but it was it was nice. Like I got back at midnight, so it wasn't too late. Because and I had to be in the office this morning, but uh, yeah, man, just just very sleepy at the moment. But I feel like I've said that the last two or three weeks. But I, you know, you know, I don't know. I think once you hit, I know you're a little bit younger than me, but once you hit our age, our age range, like post thirty five, midnight is pretty late. It, yeah, it's <laughs> it kind of late. <laughs> It's a sliding scale, like a, a 37 midnight is a, is a 28, 3 a.m. Right, exactly. Like when we were in college, midnight, the night's just getting started. But Oh, you midnight. go out to the bar at midnight. That's that's oh. that's when the pregame ends. And then, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going to happen after that. But, um, but yeah, dude, it was great, honestly. I'm glad I did it. Uh, it, it was literally like my last comedy road trip, basically. I've, I've got like a couple more shows here. And I, I thought, you know, it was nice to be alone in a car, playing my own music, singing along to it, going to do a show. I was happy with the show. It was sold out. Um, so, yeah, everything was, was positive, and it was worth worth being tired. You you and I have talked about the concept of the comedy vacation many times, and uh, I miss that. That's one of the, the things I do miss about comedy is the comedy vacation where you're not going to make money on the weekend or the whatever the show is, but it's just a fun thing to do. And I used to – I mean – I would I would take a bath on some of those just to do a great weekend, and uh, I had some great ones that it I I wouldn't trade the the memories of those shows uh, or of the trip or the fun that I had for the money I could have made by I don't know not staying at a hotel or or taking some kind of sacrifice. So yeah, man, that kind of stuff was like so great. It's such a millennial thing where it's like oh we're doing it for the experience. Like there's no material value to it outside of you know what you're actually doing but like i, I feel yeah. like but before i met my wife before i met Kristen, like i i never like took a vacation that wasn't comedy related like i went down mm-hmm. to atlanta for laughing skull went to la for another festival i think the first real vacation i took like just for me that wasn't comedy related was in 2016 i went down to baton rouge to go see the alabama lsu game And I just like, you know, went on my own. But that was like the idea of traveling not for comedy was like a foreign concept to me until I met her, which, you know, I think says a lot about me and where my priorities were. (laughs) I mean, I didn't take vacation. I mean, I took like a couple. I took like a a trip with with some of my boys to like Virginia Beach for like a weekend. I mean, I lived in Virginia. So like I did that for a couple of years. But that I mean, it was like five dudes staying in a in a, you know, comfort in room. And then I would I would do like road trips for like to go to like you know college football games where we went to school, but um, but I was kind of the same way. I didn't take like vacation vacations outside of like when I was a kid with my family, and uh, it's a nice thing. It's it's kind of cool to to like do that and be like, oh, I don't have to do something that's attached to comedy. I could do something that's just for me and a, a person I love. Yeah, I can take a break. That's a that's a right. huge revelation to have. Um, you know when the time comes. Yeah. This is Muggsy McGeever. That is which, my name. Which, That's my <laughs> real name. It's on his birth certificate. He's got a social security number. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because it's such a silly name. And my parents were like, this sounds like a dumb name somebody would just put on a book. 
uh, as a pet name, but no, nope, that's my real name. So it's like that uh, Seinfeld bit about like it's like when you name a kid Jeeves, you know he's going to be a butler. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, I will say the name Muggsy. Part of the reason I picked it was uh, there's only one other Muggsy. Um, it's also like a childhood nickname, but uh, there's only one other famous Muggsy, Muggsy Bogues. So, mm-hmm. and I'm taller than him. It, it, he's one of like the three NBA players I'm taller than. So. Uh, that's kind of cool, but yeah, that's. I was like, yeah, whatever. We'll go with we'll go with something silly and ridiculous. I think pen names should be kind of ridiculous, you know, because they're always like, it's always like J.K. Rowling or R.L. Stein. It's always like a weird like they do the. Uh, it, yeah, it is an E.L. E.L. James was Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know if they do that to like hide gender or like just to uh, kind of like you could project whoever you are onto the author without like you know the fake the, with without the full name there. Right. Yeah. It's. I don't. I mean, I just thought it'd be fun to just put something out because I'll, I'll talk more about like the book just under a a goofy name and and there we go. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they've done it. They're successful authors. I'm literally. I haven't. I'm waiting for my first book to be released. So who you know who knows? Hey, what is uh what Seth Godin? Where it's like the success is shipping the work and and yeah. you are shipping the work, Muggsy. Uh, I, I, lo- I love Seth Godin, man. That's my dude. Mug Mugsy, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, but this isn't on video, so nobody can really see it. Uh, obviously, yeah, pen name of a very close friend of mine who you know we did comedy together for a long time, and um, he eventually made the journey out of comedy, but is still you know very creatively active, and you know this is like a, a path that I've certainly looked towards for for inspiration as I'm kind of transitioning out of comedy. Um, again, like stopping stand up, I don't think means I'm going to stop writing and doing stuff so getting to kind of see him like do his thing and and be very consistent with it and 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 like kind of swing for the fences with big projects has been you know very very cool and inspiring to watch Uh, i gotta say uh thank you for saying that and i I really enjoy the podcast and i'm honored you'd have me on because i really enjoy listening to it and uh, as a creative or whatever you want to call it it sounds kind of snooty but oh um, yeah there's no there's no like unpretentious way to say that right but I would say that's the prettiest way to anyone's ever described failing at comedy is I took the journey out of comedy. <laughs> I, yeah, and I said I'm transitioning out of comedy, you know, like yeah. it's softening the language. Ascending to another earthly plane by stopping open mics uh, and uh, doing bar shows, yeah. Yeah, but let's now, be honest. We, we, we Neither of us got what we wanted, so we just said, oh, fuck this. This is terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. it. You know, it's funny, man. Like, I thought I knew we were going to talk about this, and we could just get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did comedy for like, oof. you know, it's tough because like I was thinking about this because I was like not rehearsing what I was going to say, but I knew we were going to kind of talk about this because this is kind of, you know, aligns with the theme of your your uh, show here, your podcast. But I started comedy in like mid 2000s. But I the first couple of years I did comedy, I was I was still in school like I was in, I was finishing college. So I didn't really I did it. The, the summer before my senior year and then I didn't I couldn't really do it because my school didn't have they had a comedy room but like at one of the bars but I couldn't do that you know it was once a week and I could get three to five minutes like once every you know couple couple weeks like they wouldn't let me do it every week um so I kind of didn't start in earnest until like a couple years or a year and a half after I really started and then the last couple years I just kind of was like I, I kind of self-selected out because I just kind of like my career, it wasn't really a comedy career. And I just like didn't, I wasn't hitting it as hard 
as I quote unquote should have, but I think that was because I didn't want to do it anymore. And it was a mixture of like, I wasn't getting out what I wanted it. I, I failed on some level, but on another level, I didn't, I just didn't want to do it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't making me happy to, to do it, even if I failed at it. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like kind of stop. And I kept doing shows and then, uh, you know, for a couple of years, so I, I probably did it dedicated for like 10 years, but probably like eh, 13 or 14 overall, just to give listeners context on like what my, what my comedy experience was like or how long it took. Yeah. So it was like a slow ramp up and a slow ramp down kind of on, on either side of like the 10 years of really, really going for it. Yeah. And it was like, I started when I was in college, I never thought I was embarrassed that I wanted to do comedy. Cause I was like, I thought people would think I'm dumb for wanting to do this. And then I started doing it and everybody did. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> they saw my act and they're like, Oh yeah, you were right. You should have been embarrassed. No. Um, but I, what happened was I wrote jokes for probably like three or four years. And cause I grew up on like, I loved, uh, I watched comedy central a lot when I was a kid, this was pre South park comedy central. Uh, this was like early nineties, mid nineties, like short attention span theater. When John Stewart was the host pre daily show, John Stewart, Alan Havey was the host and they would play clips like all day of like stand up shows. And it was people like, um, you know, Dana Gould, um, I'm trying to think of other people who were like really successful back then, you know, and uh, one I loved back then and you'll laugh at me, but who I thought was hilarious, but it was like Rosie O'Donnell. Like she was like a great comic before she became whatever she became. And, uh, but it was like, they had everybody, they had like clips from every comic, like Ray Romano. And I would just, I grew up on that. Um, it was like Instagram reels, like 20 years it, before Instagram, it, basically exactly what it was. It was that before, you know, except it was clips from like, you know, Carol, whatever it was, uh, an evening at the improv, whatever. Yeah, all like the recycled show. HBO, like yeah, yeah, 80s, yeah. 80s shows and stuff. All that stuff. And I, so that's, I grew up on like, so I learned the language of comedy that way and, and the kind of the cadence. And I wrote a lot of jokes, but I always wrote jokes to sound like those people. And then I got into comedy and I just started writing so much that I eventually chiseled out my own thing for better or worse. And eventually I started like I said, I started doing it one summer, like, and I was like, I still remember the first time I went on stage, it was like, I was in my hometown, and a buddy of mine had just started doing it, and he was new, but he was a crowd pleaser, he was a guitar comic, he was like really, uh, he, he was just, he's like naturally talented, much so more as a performer than I was, so he was immediately like getting like gigs, but he brought me to this one open mic that he did, and I'll never forget my first time on stage, and it, it actually went well, and then the next like 50 times I bombed, but yeah, man, it was, it, it was like go like starting out as a, as a comedy fan. And I love, I grew up on like sketch comedy. I loved kids in the hall, SNL. Um, there's a show called the vacant lot, which was kind of like the other Lauren Michaels sketch comedy show from that, from, uh, the, uh, the nineties that not a lot of people remember. Cause I think there was only like five episodes or something, but I grew up on that kind of stuff. And I just, I was a huge, huge comedy lover. And I was like, I have to get into it. And then I started to get into it. And I was like embarrassed when I first started writing jokes to the point where I like, I tried to hide it from people that I was like, that I wanted to do it. And then I just did it. And once I did it, then it was like, well, I'm doing it. So might as well tell my friends and family and, and stuff and that I'm trying for it. And this was in college that you told everyone that you were doing it or was until you, it wasn't until you got out where you were like, and I, now I'm really going to go for it that you told them. 
I mean, I really shared it after that just because it wasn't like I wasn't really talk like I, I think I probably told my family like when I was in college that I'd, I'd started doing it. Oh, also, they knew because they knew I was like because I was still living with my parents, but I was going out because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing. And they were like, oh, cool. You know, and like I brought I didn't like invite a ton of my friends to shows the first I invited like my brother, like my close friends. Um, they came to see me and they saw me like eat it and bomb. But it was like, I mean, they they weren't going to think more of me if I did well. So like they didn't think that, less that's of how, me you know, they're like true friends. Cause there's a handful of friends that I brought to my early shows and was proud to bring. And they were there like, yeah, just happy to support and still wanted to talk to me afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, it, it, I, I brought people who were like, not, although there are a few people I told where like they, we were good friends, but we, we weren't like, like, you know, close, close, like some of my best friends. And they were like, Oh man, you're, this is not great. Like you, I know, but like I was, I was mentally ready when I started. I was like, I'm not afraid. I was, I was, I was afraid to bomb. Cause everybody, I don't think there's anyone who doesn't, who wants to bomb. You know what I mean? Like, uh, unless you're like, you know, a master of the craft who's like, you know, intentionally doing it. Um, but I, I would go up and I'd be like, I, if, if this doesn't go well, it's not going to kill me. Like I'm, I'm going to be fine. And eventually I, I kind of worked through that, and then that became just another thing to not be scared of. I guess we can like move forward a little bit or flash forward because, like, yeah, sure. we met in in DC when we were doing stand up, and I moved to New York in like 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I I don't think you were that far behind after me. Like like had when you when you moved up, like what was your goal in mind? Like you, were, I mean, you were moving for a purpose to make a career out of it. Yeah, you know, so I think I start. I got, I hit DC. I started, I think, about four years before you did, but I hit DC. I didn't really start in earnest until I got to DC, and I, I, I was like committed, like I'm gonna do comedy. My dream was, I do, co- and it was like the old school path. It was like, okay, I'll be good enough to host, then I'll be good enough to feature, then I'll headline, then I'll get a bunch of headlining gigs. Then somebody will notice me and I'll get an agent. Then I'll get on a show and I'll write for Late Night. I'll write for Conan. I'll write for SNL, you know, which I thought they just handed those out. <laughs> which they, which but they yeah, don't. the dream of the 90s that we that we grew up with and like was still like kind of it hadn't fully faded out by the time we started comedy. That was the path. And, and we had no idea what was coming, the, you know, like that yeah. everything would become MySpace times times 100. The dream of the 90s was alive in Portland back then. It was, it was very much alive. So it was, yeah. So I was like, okay, I want, my my dream was, well, my dream when I got into comedy was I wanted to be uh, like the model of Adam Sandler. Not necessarily like his style of comedy, but I wanted to be like, I want to write movies. I want to act in movies and put my friends in them and write them with my friends. And that that's what I wanted to do. That is obviously not something that is really a model you can copy because Adam Sandler is like one in a, in a billion. Uh, but what I my real dream after I kind of realized I wasn't going to be like you know a superstar was I would love to write for a show like whether it was like a, a show I really liked I love sketch comedy so that was a real dream of mine to have my own sketch comedy show um, I ended up kind of producing one on YouTube with a buddy of mine. Um, which we had a blast doing. And looking back, that ended up being one of the great things that I really enjoyed doing, even though we didn't get, we, we got into that. We were like, oh, we're going to get noticed by Comedy Central, True TV. They'll give us a deal. We never got that, but we had a blast and we made, we made exactly 
the the show we wanted to make, which was exactly our vision. And I think looking back, that was great. But but I'm getting ahead. Starting out in D.C., I I did want that's what I wanted my career to be. I wanted to make a career out of comedy. I knew stand up wasn't going to be my primary moneymaker because even back then you it it wasn't really a viable path. It was like get good enough at stand up that you can get another job, get a credit, you know, get on a show, get on you know on TV or something. So kind of grab onto something like that, and then get the notoriety. Where you and can like make money off the show, and then the show helps sell the tickets. So it's like once you get yeah. this this big thing, it like ups your income in two separate verticals, basically. Yeah, precisely. I think that was kind of the loose model. I didn't really. I, that was kind of my dream, and I say a dream because I it wasn't really like something I pursued very hard. Like I didn't have like a real like well thought out plan. One thing was I didn't know how to do that. Do all that. And I didn't like follow people who did, you know, so I was just kind of like, well, I'll just work as hard as I can. I'll write jokes, you know, every day. I'll perform as much as I can. I'll get great. I'll do the uh, the horse shit, like get so good they can't deny you deal. And then from there, then I'll be able to uh, to kind of just it'll it'll just happen for me. And it obviously didn't happen. Um, but what ended up happening for me when I was in in D.C., was I got I got pretty good. I was pretty good at comedy. Like I, I can look back and confidently be like, I was pretty good. I never got like noticed by the industry, which was fine. I never really got like a gig that was like, oh, they picked you to do this. But I was like, I was I was pretty good. Like you put me up on a on a show, I knew I could hold my own and I knew I had like a, a pretty unique and distinctive comedic voice at least i, I still it. think about your a lot of your jokes a lot of the time like it's <laughs> Thanks, you know man. no one no one I, I no one's listening is gonna know but just yeah like who is still jerking off at this point is oh, ju- it just pops in every now and then that's that's yeah that it's without i'm not gonna explain the joke because yeah i, I know not having the context but um just the, know it was great the real ones though. but <laughs> yeah man I, I appreciate that but i guess all that to say like what happened to me was i just kind of like got into i did comedy in dc a lot i just fell into the quote-unquote scene i hate that expression but back then it really felt like there was one um i made friends with like you know people like you um our mutual friend you know courtney uh was is one of my best friends now still as well you are as well and it's just kind of one of those things where we met doing comedy but then kind of just it it went from being like oh we're comedy friends to being like oh we're just you know normal friends and i just i just ended up getting like i was never like in dc i was never like one of the people who i think was like a darling of the scene um and i hate even that expression that i'm using because i've never even heard that before but it's also just makes my ears want to bleed but i think a lot of people thought i was solid uh i i was a pretty dependable comic which sounds like you know you want to be the guy who's like the killer who everybody wants you up you know nobody wants to follow you all that I don't know that I was ever that, but I do know that I was like super dependable. And then that ended up being that like the clubs, you know, and there was like three clubs, big clubs in town. If you're, if you're counting like, you know, Maryland, um, or Baltimore, they, they, they booked me a lot and they were, you know, there was like a couple year stretch where I was doing a lot of work for them. So, and then off of that, once the clubs, you know, put me on and they were like, Oh, this guy's pretty solid. You know, we, we know we can put him up and he's going to do like a really solid job as a host. And then at the end as a feature, 
um, that's when like the, the bar shows, the people who who didn't really, you know, the comics who booked the bar shows, a lot of them maybe weren't as big fans of mine, but they're like, oh well, he can he can still do pretty good, and that's and then I just kind of started getting gigs, and then that was probably my biggest success in comedy was more at the at that local scene level. Then when I went to New York, I just kind of it didn't it didn't really like escalate from there. It just kind of like plateaued. Yeah, I mean, that's still like a great feeling, though, because I mean, you get that first call to like work at the draft house or work at the improv. And it's like, especially when, you know, that's kind of your whole world. It's it's like almost like living in New York and getting the call to be on SNL. Granted, it's not life changing or anything, but I, I, I still remember where I was when I first got a call to work at those clubs. It's like seared into my memory. Oh, it was great. And then like looking back, you're like, oh, well, it's you look back. And in the grand scheme of the larger world of comedy with a capital C, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. It was mm-hmm. a big deal to me at the time. And looking back now, even though it's not a big deal, it was a big deal. And it is to, to this day. I remember probably one of the there – were, there were two moments I remember in comedy as being, I think, two of my favorites. There's so many great ones and that I look back on, like my time doing comedy fondly. But one of my best ones was when I – the first weekend I did the improv – uh, I got booked to open for uh, Tom Papa, who's a great comedian. Mm-hmm. And here's how good this show was. The feature was Aaron Jackson. Oh, wow. Who I knew Aaron, Aaron, Aaron's DC, you know, she's based out of D or she was based out of DC. So I knew Aaron. So like that made it easier. Um, but Aaron was featuring and she's a headliner, you know, she's a killer. So it made it easier, but cause I knew Aaron and Aaron's like really sweet. And I liked Aaron a lot and she liked me. And I remember I did the, sh- uh, you know, I, I came to the show and I talked to uh, kind of the, the manager at the improv and they said, hey, you know, and Tom was like the sweetest guy. He was like really nice. They said, hey, you know, Tom said, you know, he wants you to do about six minutes. Just, you know, which is like fine. Like he doesn't know me from Adam. Like he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know if I'm any good. He just knows I'm a host. I think I might have given them. He might have asked for like my tape and been like, that's fine. So I went out and it was my first show of the, the weekend. And I, I was a host, but I, I crushed. I did great. And I'll never forget the feeling after the show. The manager comes up to me and says, hey, Tom said he could do 10 at the next show. Oh, great. This was after, I think this was after the first show, yeah, because we had 7 and the 9.30. And I just remember being like, oh, man, it's four minutes, but it's like such a, it's coming from such a, a giant in comedy. And I know he's not like, maybe not a household name or whatever to, to people who are like not in comedy. But I, a lot of people do know Tom Poppett for good reason. He's an amazing comedian. He's but like Seinfeld's I, bro. Like that's that's yeah. And I just remember being like, that was like such a such a cool thing that I uh, that I remember looking back. Just having that validation was like, that's eh, it's it's a pretty cool feeling. No, definitely like a tip of the cap from like a a, a legit guy. Like just the the form. It's not about the four minutes. It's about like the respect and the acknowledgement. That's yeah, that's the real the real joy there. You can do the job. You're you're a pro. Like I, I was just a host. Like so I wasn't. You know it, it was just that. But that's not easy to do either. And just the fact that he was like, okay, this guy's professional. He can handle himself. He can do a little more time. And the thought. And I'm I'm doing a lot of projecting here. But him thinking like it's better for the show if we have a host who can do ten than it is for six and i think that's because ultimately that's the thing when you're in in that level of comedy hosting and featuring seems like it's like okay i'm this i'm a big part of the show and you are but you exist to help the show the headliner exists the headliner is the show the mm-hmm. host and the feature exist to pump up the headliner and make the show better for the headliner and the audience um, but just the fact that he was like, yeah, this, this is good. You know, he did a good job. It just, it felt great. 
so yeah, then you you make the move to New York. I, yeah. Obviously, you've been thinking about that for a while. Yeah, um, it was. I I had wanted to go. I I wanted to go to L.A. originally, and because I I really wanted to write movies, and I have written a bunch of movies, and they've obviously not been produced. But um, I really wanted to like get into the screenwriting thing, but it was just I couldn't make the leap because my family's all you know my 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 parents and my brothers and sister are all still here in you know on the east coast and i just couldn't couldn't make the leap and also i've always loved new york my family grew up uh a couple hours outside of new york we grew up as like new york sports fans and like uh you know i went into the city a couple times to, like see yankee games and stuff but i just remember being like yeah and and i was with my at the time my girlfriend and now my wife and we i had I was serious about like going to New York and I just didn't have a plane to get up there. And cause I was like, I had a, a day job that was like, you know, solid. Like I, it was dependable. Like it wasn't like I was making like a ton of money, but it was like really dependable and like I was good at it and I could do it. And I was like, I got to make a move. And then I started dating my, my now wife and I didn't really tell her for the first like few months that we were dating that I wanted to move to New York. And eventually I did. And at first she was like kind of rightfully upset. Cause she was like, you didn't really tell me about that. And I was like, I know it just kind of, I wasn't like planning on this happening. And then eventually we, she just came with me and she was like, I, you know, we, we kind of talked it out and then ended, we ended up, you know, living together there. And I, one of the best things I ever did was moving to New York. It was such a great, it was, not a great experience for comedy in that like I didn't I wasn't successful at comedy there, but living there was like I loved it. And I don't know if I love it now, post COVID. I've heard that it's like it's tough. Um I'm not even talking about from comedy. I'm just talking about just like it's like, you know, the the city's different after COVID. But we were there pre COVID. We got out like a year before COVID started, give or take, like maybe ten months. And uh one of the best things I ever did because it was just, I love living there. I love the energy there. We we lived, we we moved to Queens when we uh, when we first got there, and our I think we were I, we never really set a plan, but I think it was like okay, we'll move to Queens. That'll be like our starter apartment, and then maybe we'll move to Manhattan. I kind of thought that in the back of my head, and then we just never left. We we just loved it. And, no, um, it was such a great spot, and you guys were close by when I was I was living there. I mean. Yeah. I, I remember when you came up though. The like, I think your first night, uh, we went to the eleven o'clock mic at the pit, and oh, yeah, you went up and and like no one did well, and like oh, it, yeah. it, you just trudged those long steps, like the like the really tall theater steps that they had there. Yeah, and we were sitting in the back, and I I, uh, I think I serenaded you with D'Angelo's "How Does It Feel." <laughs> oh man, I still remember that. I remember my first night in. Uh... Not our first night. It was our first week there. I did. I came and did a show uh, for a friend of ours who she had heard that I was I was there, and she was like th- threw me on her show. And it was like a good show. She was like, I, and I, I did good. Like it was a, it was a good show, good crowd. And I think you came. I think it was yeah. Like, this is all sounding very familiar. City, yeah, it was City Winery, and I think Brian was there and uh, Courtney. And I'll there's never... a picture of us together. Uh, I yeah, think Lafayette yeah. was there too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like anyway. Well, I don't know if that was the same night. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, the point is that night, I'll never forget because we were trying to get a new couch, uh, my wife and I, and she was at home dealing with that. I went to the show and it was like she they had to 
we bought the couch because we just went to a furniture store and we're like in, in the neighborhood. And it was one of those deals where the guy was like, you know, for you, my friend, we'll do this, you know. Uh, so it was like we were giving them cash and they, we didn't measure the couch. And so they had to the guy, had, they had to get a guy who worked there. I don't know what this guy's specialty was, but he had a, he had to saw the couch and then put it back together. And he did all this because they delivered the catch at like eight o'clock. But to get the guy, they had to do all this at like 11 o'clock at night. And my poor wife's sitting at home texting me like everybody's coming out of there. You know, you're not allowed to do shit like that in New York. Like, you know, you're like these apartment buildings are like, you know, everybody's on top of each other. So everyone's like, what are you guys doing? And it was just like I was just getting these texts and I felt horrible because I just left her at home. And I just remember being like, what is this place? It was like so overwhelming. <laughs> we had like our, our landlord, our first landlord in New York was like, he was, he was nuts. He was nuts. And he was giving us a lot of like trouble uh, when we moved in and he was just being like a real jerk, but it was just like so stressful at first. And then just looking back on the experience, like loved, loved living there. So glad I went so glad I could say that I, I did live there because it's just a, it was a great experience for us. Right. And even though, like, you know, you didn't lean into comedy or, like, comedy didn't kind of take off the way that you wanted to there. I mean, yeah. you, you did, like, do a lot of work with, like, a couple web series that you had. And, like, you put, like, a lot of time and effort and energy into that. And, like, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Like, I, I was in a couple of those. And it was all so much fun. Like, it was – it was the work was great. But then just being around and goofing around with your friends was, all, like, maybe the the best part of it. It was a blast, man. And what – so what I did lean into – I don't think I, I probably didn't. I keep saying as I should have, but I, I'll come back to that. So like, I didn't. For now, I'll say it. I didn't maybe perform as much as I should have or I could have. What I did do, I wrote a lot. Like I had a, a personal blog. I wrote a lot of jokes. I wrote like not every day, but like anywhere from like two to five days a week, every week, which is like pretty good. My goal was to write every day, but I didn't. And I didn't. I did the funnel stopped at the writing. So like I was writing a lot of jokes, but I wasn't getting on stage enough, but I was writing sketches. I was working on movies. I was working on, um, you know, blogs or, or anything else. So I had all these things that I, I did a lot of writing and it just, I think my frustration was that I wasn't getting on stage. Like I wasn't being as aggressive enough. And at the time it was frustrating, but I think looking back, what I realized was that I was actually like subconsciously doing what I actually enjoyed doing, which mm -hmm. was like writing jokes, writing, you know, sketches, stuff like that. And I think I didn't at the time, but I think looking back, I probably just, I, I think it was one of those things where my body was just kind of like, yeah, you're here in New York. And I did a lot of comedy because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. But looking back, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with my story being just like, I went to New York. I wrote a lot of comedy there and just enjoyed living in New York. It was expensive as hell. Like, it was yeah. very expensive. Um, but would I trade that experience? I would not. And then also I did – I think I did enough comedy for it to be, like, still kind of fun. But the last few years I just I, – I do think there was a, an element of, like, subconsciously I I kind of just – didn't go out as much, but I think it was me kind of like my body being like, you, you don't really want to be doing this anymore. And I think, yeah. I think the, time, the time in comedy that was like the best for me was like before I left for New York, 
that was like great. And I just never, I never like cashed in on that, but I don't think I, maybe I, maybe I wasn't supposed to, I don't know about, you know, fate, anything like that, but I think it just wasn't what I really maybe wanted to do, but I thought I did. And so I kind of chased it a little bit more and then I ended up just not, but I did do a lot of the stuff. Like you said, I would, I made the sketches, I did the web series and things like that. And that ended up being fun. And those like created memories that like I would not trade. Yeah. It's, I was talking about this with Lauren Hope Crass last week. Cause like, first of all, like doing comedy in New York, it's like a, it's a physical feat. Like you're walking places, taking the subway. It's not like DC where you can drive to shows or like it's, it, and then when you get to a place, there's not like tip unless it's like a well-known, well-produced, well-attended show. There's not a lot of people there and you got to kind of make do with with what's around you. So like get it, actually getting going is difficult. Then once you get there, the reward might not, you know, be worth the effort. Like the reward is in the future. You're building towards something. But, you know, so I, I can understand like kind of having this feeling of you know, this isn't the same thing I was doing before. Like it's not lined up with like what I actually like about stand up comedy proper, but there are these other things that I do that I get a lot of enjoyment out of. And it's not like it's easy, but it's it, it, the, the hard it's, it's easier to push through the difficulty as opposed to like the, the stand up part of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think if I had any advice and like, I don't have any advice for anybody listening on how to make it because I didn't. Uh, but what I would say is as someone who didn't make it, uh, but ended up okay on the other side, I'd say if you, the only, and you know, what's funny. I got Pete, I got this advice from people in comedy and I never listened. The, what, what you have to do is make sure you're doing the thing you want to be doing. If you really love stand-up, and it's okay. That's the other thing. People get into comedy. I had this mindset, too. People have this, like, weird – it's like that whole, like, warrior mindset of, like, you just got to trudge through. No, you don't. You don't have to do it. You can stop doing it, and it's fine. Doing comedy is not like this, like – it's it, it's just a weird, like – there's this mindset of people like, I got to keep going. I got to keep doing it. You could just not do it and it's fine. And like, it's okay to quit. And like, it's when people are like, I, the advice I'd say is like, if you really love doing stand up, you got to be okay with doing it just for the sake of doing it. And I think that's, that's probably true of anything in life. But if you, if you get into it and you want to be rich or you want to be famous or you want to be this, or you want to be that, you might do it, but the odds are like, lotto like that that's going to happen for you like yeah probably and i'm not trying to dissuade anyone i'm just saying get into it because you love doing it and then it won't won't fucking matter because like you'll enjoy what you're doing and you'll probably be better at it too yeah i think i fall somewhere in the middle because like i i wanted to do stand-up to like do stand-up to do great shows in front of like you know big audiences it's not about being famous or making a bunch of money but having the opportunity to get on like you know the 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 really good fun stages and like that, you know, I, I fell short of that. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to do stand up just for like the esoteric joy of like right. Telling a joke to five people in the audience. You know what I mean? Like that's, right. that's not where my head's at. And that's kind of why I've had to, had to pull back. But like, what, like, like when did you, I know you said like you were kind of subconsciously thinking uh-huh. about it and like, like when did it really start to come to the forefront of like, all right, I think it's kind of time to, put this behind me and like, we're going to move back to the DC area. And, and like, when, like how long was that process? Uh, we, 
so we were getting married. We were engaged and we were getting married in Virginia. And I was pretty much like, I'm not good. Like I was still doing shows, but I was like just doing shows that people I knew asked. I wasn't like trying to get on shows. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to do this for much longer. I didn't like have a date, but I do know the date that I quit. I, or not the exact date, but I remember the time. So I moved back to Virginia and I knew a guy who I had known from DC. He was starting around the same time when I was leaving and he was booking shows in my hometown. Cause I was, I was, I wasn't living in DC. I was living about like an hour in, in you know, in central Virginia. And I remember this, a, a guy I knew he was booking shows around there and they were like, open mics so like they weren't great but they were just mics you know and i was like you know what i told my wife i was like i'm gonna take my my notebook some of the jokes that i was doing when i was like you know in new york at the end some of them that were pretty good because i had like a pretty good new act it was act is generous it was probably like 10 15 minutes but i was like this is new and i was like and i like this stuff and i took them to these mics a couple of these mics you know in this little, little small town and, you know, it, they were, they were, you know, they weren't great shows. Like they were just like comics, but it was like, like comics who were brand new. And so they didn't know me for anyone, which was like, fine. I didn't care. I didn't expect to be noticed, but they, they weren't like laughing at me. Um, so I was like, okay, this is, this is tough. And then I remember there was one show and it's so, it's kind of poetic. I did one last show where it was at the same place that I did comedy for the very first time. Oh, and, man. Now, 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 listen. So this was the first time I did comedy, but I was only in front of four other comics, so I didn't count it as my first show show. But it was the first place I'd gotten on stage and held a microphone. And it was like, whatever. I was workshopping jokes. But it was the same place. And I went up, and one guy was new, and he brought, like, 60 people. And oh. this was a small... This is a small bar. So he it was like packed to the gills. It is not a big bar. 60 people is a lot for this place. And I took the stuff that I'd been working on at the end in New York and I did I probably did like 15 minutes. I went over. I just railroaded the light and I just destroyed. I mean the room was like shaking. Like it was I did great. Um I I was like I was the best comic on the show or I had the best set. I'm not going to, you know, but I I had the best set of the night. The crowd loved it walk off they just it was 60 people i just pure entertainment and i was like that's it that's got to be it that's got to be my last show two nights later i went and did a mic with three comics there and bombed and that was my last show so, <laughs> so you, you were yeah. one show away from the costanza like that's it everybody, I know, I'm out. I know. but i think that was better i think that was better but it was it was very like bookends man it was like yeah. i started i i ended where i started and if I never go on again, I had a friend of mine who he, he owns a bar and he wanted to book comedy. And I was like putting him in touch with another booker, a friend of ours. And I was like, cause he asked me and I was like, oh, you should talk to this guy. He puts on great shows. And he was like, well, don't you want to do it? Or don't, you got to get on stage. And I was like, I'm done, man. I'm good. I'm good. Like I'm, I love stand up. I love having done stand up. It was, it was like one of the great experiences of my life. I, I do miss it from time to time, but I'm good with never doing it again. You know, I, I, I walked away. I was like, you know what? It, it, it worked out the way it was supposed to for me. It was fine. And then, and then like, uh, where in that time frame do you get the idea for 
you know, I obviously want to keep writing scripts and stuff. Yeah. But like, when, when does the idea come in for like, all right, I'm going to have like a, like a blog or like with short stories and like short comedic stories. Like when does that idea begin to like crystallize? Yeah. So I should probably promote the thing I'm on the podcast. Yeah, We'll, we'll have the links. Links are in the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what happened to me was, so I, like I told you, I always write, liked writing, uh, like screenplays and stuff. And so before the pandemic, and I, I'm kind of, this is a circuitous route to get to answer your question, but before the pandemic, I, when I wrote screenplays, I was always writing them with the commercial mindset. I was like, okay, let me write like a goofy comedy that has a lot of jokes that I think will sell. And it's broad, not broad. It was my sense of humor, but it was like, I was always writing like, I grew up in like the, the Sandler, Will Ferrell, that era where like back when like, you know, the the writer we like Paul Scholes referred to as the vulgar wave, mm-hmm. uh, where like comedy was aimed at straight white guys in their 20s and 30s and who were 18 to 34. Um, and who act like, acted like they were 15. Yeah, and who acted like they were like 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so I wrote, I, and I don't, I don't think like all the comedies I wrote back then were like aimed at that, but it was like, it was back in a time when like that was, that was kind of the, the, that comedy movies were still a thing. Now they're not even a thing. So, Dude, uh, quick di- digression. Did yes, you see please. No Hard Feelings? Uh, no Hard Feelings. Wait, what? Remind me what Jennifer that... Lawrence gets paid to to fuck the teenager before he goes to college. You no, know, I saw the trailer and I told my wife, I was like, I want to see that because it seems like an, a throwback. And I, I think that looks good to me. I laughed one time. It, no, it, it, it did It did oh, nothing man. for me. Did nothing oh, for me. I but really I also, it was just like me that. and Kristen watching it on the couch. So maybe that's not the environment. But it, it just didn't ring as like... That's a there, there wasn't even a point where I'd be like, oh, if I was in a theater, I'd be laughing at this. It just didn't do it for me. Anyway, that, That's a bummer, man. Um, anyway, so comedy movies are dead. So great for yeah. a guy who wants to write comedy movies, right? <laughs> so so I have this idea for a script. I was sitting down with my buddy who I, I wrote, I used to write with. And we're sitting down to have lunch one day. And I, I say this idea and he's like, hey, man, that's pretty good. You should write that. And then the pandemic hit. Um, and... Uh, Throughout the pandemic, I I didn't really write that much, but I did write this one. I would come back to it every once in a while. And then I think it was, well, I mean, the pandemic, I don't know how long it really was. But after 2020, I think it was like May or March of 2021, I finished this script. And I gave it to my wife. And she always reads my stuff. And she's like the person who I want her opinion on stuff more than anything. And she's written my, she's read my other scripts and she'll, She's told me some of them are funny. She's told me some of the other ones not as great. And she read it. And I'll never forget because she was like in the other room. I was like doing that thing where I was like around the corner, like hoping. <laughs> do, like, do you like it? Yeah. And she was like that. She was like, that was your best thing you've written. And it was different, you know, and it was a little more. It wasn't like just about the joke. It was about a story. And that's when I really got into, you know, the idea of like I would. Maybe it, maybe I could like pursue this like just writing stories. And what happened was then another year goes by and or another few months, whatever. And we're in the middle of 2022. And I don't know what it was, but I just was like, man, I was going through like my hard drive and I had like a ton of unproduced sketches, like so many sketches that I'd written. And I was going through like my old notebooks and stuff. And I was like, what if I started a blog and I turned my old sketches into short stories? So basically gave myself a creative writing assignment where take a premise for a sketch. And I, I, I took like classes at UCB. So I like came and I'm not saying like I'm the best sketch writer ever, but I came up on the, the UCB style of sketch writing where you're like, 
establish the game of the sketch, escalate, 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 hit the button, and then get out. So I had a ton of sketches on a hard drive that were just that. And so I was like, okay, let me let me go through the ones I have and let me write and turn them all into stories. And they might be different than the sketch. It's not just it's a different medium. And then I just posted them for like five months. I did that. And I, during that time frame, I also came up with like other ideas. I would be out and it was kind of like where you write down an idea on a notepad. Um, I would come up with other ideas and I would just if the mood struck me, I would write that to the point where I was, I did that for, for probably six months. And there was a stretch there where I was doing one a day, but then there, I would miss, you know, a little, little stretch of time. And I ended up having like, I think I ended up with 75 ish, very short stories. They're like a thousand to 2,500 words, which like I've looked it up and a short story is really supposed to be like five to 10,000 words. So calling it a short story is generous. It's more like a comedy sketch in story format but very In prose very basically yeah yeah very very short sketch and, prose yeah whatever you want to call it and so i had that and i posted it on like medium and did it under like a pseudonym or whatever which you know i'm still writing under that now and i didn't get i didn't get like a ton of people read it you know it wasn't like a, a lot of people sought it out but i got a few followers on medium you do like the follow for follow thing and i got a few followers and i probably had like this is going to sound embarrassing. I probably had like three to five people who would like regularly read my shit. And there was like a couple of people who like really seemed to dig it. And it was like, it felt great. It felt, it felt really great. And I got to a point where I had all these stories and I was like, you know, what if I just put these into a book and that's that. And then, and then I started to think like, well, I have these screenplays. What if I eventually turn those into like novels? And that's, that's kind of where I want to pivot to. I want to, I do want to turn the the script I wrote during the pandemic. I want to turn that into a novel. Um, but for now, I just, the beginning of this year, I, I did the, like, I didn't work. I worked hard, but I didn't work consistently on it, but I ended up just basically writing a book and it's, it's not, it's like, I think like 215 pages. It's about 45 short stories and it's, it's all like, premises that or mostly premises that i thought of like when i was doing comedy and um is the guy who more, invented sex is that in there it's in there it's Hell in there yeah. uh in fact i i named one of the characters after you and that's that's story. right i remember reading that one the tribute so yeah and it, it was so it was like i don't know man it was like it was it's got me like emotional because i was like these jokes i wrote live on you know and and it's funny because this book I'm not promoting. This is literally the only promo I'm doing for it. I don't care. I hope it sells. I would love if people find it, but I'm not, I'm not doing marketing for it. I'm not like going out there. This is a, uh, I don't want to say 1000% creative pursuit cause I am selling it. Like I do, I do hope people buy it. Uh, if you're listening, please check it out. I hope you'd enjoy it. It was very much a labor of love, but what it was, was a creative pursuit where, this is all me. I had an editor who proofread it for like grammar, but I had no one advise me. If you read this book, if you like do the preview and you read it, it's it's probably going to sound weird to many people. Uh, but there are m maybe a few people who will be like, that guy, that I like his voice. And that's who I want to find. I, that's, I would love to find like a very small group of people who like my shit. And this, that, that's what I want. I want this... This my goal was to make something that was one thousand percent in my unique voice that I spent 
15, 10 years writing stuff and, and working on. And that's what I did. Whether it's good or bad, that's not up to me. That's out of my hands. That's in God's hands now. But, you know, <laughs> that's in the, the, the reader's hands. But it, I created something that it, it like, you know, it was premises that I thought of, you know, jokes that I thought of. It's comedy. Like every story is is a comedy. Like it's it's meant to be funny. They're not all like laugh out loud. Fun. Well, I'll let the reader decide. You know, that's not for me to decide. But it's it's me. It's my unique voice. And yeah, man, that that was what it, it was basically like. Okay, how can I find a channel for these ideas I had for these these joke ideas, these premises I had, and how they can live on in a, a format that I think is better suited for me than, than, uh, than stand up because well, it just is. It's interesting. Cause it's like that Jurassic park line where like life finds a way almost because you know, uh, uh, finds a way. Oh man. But cause you had, you know, you had these, these joke ideas and, and like these sketch ideas and like, I'm thinking about like comedy in particular. Cause like a lot of, there are a lot of stories that like are, are tied into to old jokes of yours, and I just like this idea that like you know you, you get to New York and like it's you, you go out, but it's it's not like the the real motivating force or like animating force that 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 you spend your time with there, but like you you find other avenues for this thing and like you, you give up you leave the comedy part behind, but it's like you're really not quitting anything. You're just like transferring it into something else and something that is more fulfilling beyond like you know the initial goal of of stand-up and that's that's why i have you know really uh admired this and like wanted to to talk to you about it because like i'm i'm about to like i said at the top about to go through the same transition myself like i've i've already started like just free writing in the morning like i'll just take notes during the day of like little observations and and then i'll spend like an hour in the morning like writing them out like in in full paragraphs and like most of them aren't funny um but it's just like ideas and thoughts and and just feels good to get stuff out of me and on onto the screen basically um yeah, right. the other thing i was going to say was i think what i found with this well there's a couple things one is that when i was doing stand up i felt like I was I was being myself on stage, but I felt like also there was calculation. Yes, yeah, that's I'm, I went through the same thing. And, and you're like you're trying to think like, do I appeal to this demographic? Do I appeal to you know X Y Z? But what I found was with a creative pursuit like this is that I control it. I self published like it's it's just me. Um, the only money I spent was you know to get an editor and get a cover and for the ISBN number. But it's that that means I control it. It's me, right? So what I found is that removing the commercial calculation is like just feels cleansing for my soul. And I'm not saying this is like some great work of art. I don't know. I it it is to me. Like I it's I, I like it. You know, it's 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 in my voice and it's something that was a labor of love for me and it's like this is you know, I could put this down and if somebody came up to me and was like what is your your comedy voice your writing style whatever you want to call it i would hand them this and be like that's it and if you like it you like it if you don't you don't when i was doing stand-up i felt like even though i was myself and like a lot of my bits were like you know grounded in truth best that best i could i still felt like it was always like 
I was always my goal was like, okay, let me get on somebody else's show and write for somebody else's show. Let me be on a be in a commercial or be on somebody else's show and act and other stuff. That wouldn't have been uniquely me. Now, here's the trade-off. The trade-off is I'm doing this. I don't get to do this as a career. You know, I still have to have a job. I still have to but it's not that bad. Like I I like my job. Like it's not that it's not that bad. It's not as fun as maybe like being a headlining stand-up comedian, you know, but uh, in absence of that, it's one of these things where I'm like, when I sit down, I can sit down in front of my computer and it's literally just unfiltered. Like, let me think of ideas I think are good and, and go with it and create and send that out into the world. And yeah. that's the thing. And that to me is, that's what felt good about it. It's something that uh, one of my earlier guests, Natasha Joukowsky, who's a writer said, and she, she yeah, works as a consultant. Episode. Yeah, she, she was great. But she basically saying like, and I think, I don't know if she said this in the podcast. I think she might've written it on her Substack. but like, like really in absence of being a full-time artist, it's just get a job you can tolerate and use that to fund your art. Oh and, yeah. And like, and that's, that's the real move, you know? Yeah, you know, and like for years I had it the other way where I was like, let me just get a job to sustain and then I'll tr- and, and then I'll just see how much I can headway I can make with stand up. Whereas like now it's like I, I'm I'm removing the runway. I'm like, I'm just good I have a skill set I built up professionally, you know, because I write professionally. Now it's like different writing. It's not it's not comedy writing. But like I have a skill set I've built up. I should use that. And like, I, I, I've always liked my jobs, like the different jobs I've had. I've worked in a few different places and I've always like, liked the people I work with and like, you know, generally enjoyed that experience. So I'm like, it's not that bad. It's not the worst thing in the world to have a quote unquote real job and then write, you know, later. And then I don't, I don't have to like, again, I bring up the term again, but the calculation is like, this is whether I write a book, whether I write, you know, whatever I write from here, like a novel, uh, or other short stories that I put out in like another collection, whatever, because I want to keep doing it. I definitely do. Um, it's going to be me, and and it's going to be something that I enjoy putting together. And uh, and th- that's that's to me that feels better than just trying to like go after some amorphous goal in a in a format that is doesn't really suit me anymore. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty solid victory. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if it's a victory, but it's just like it feels good. Also, I, the advice I'd give not to give I keep giving advice for someone who failed. I mean, uh, but like experience experience is valuable, like no matter what. Well, what I, yeah, what I'd say is if there's like comics out there who are thinking about quitting, I wouldn't say quit or not quit. Like I think if you're thinking about it, you're probably already on the way there. Um, but what I would say is if you're like leaning towards quitting, I'd say it's not really that bad. Like there's some people who like absolutely love stand up comedy and the art of it. There's some people who are even more people or even less people who are really good at it. Um, I think it's, there's, there's a little bit of tragedy in people who love doing it and maybe just didn't connect in the way that they hoped they would. I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of in that way, but like then I, I even look back and I'm like, I don't think I loved it as much as I thought I did. I think I always just wanted it to be an avenue to something else. And now I'm doing something that isn't like, I'm not like, you know, recognized nationally, nor do I want to be, but it's something that it's, it's a creative pursuit that I enjoy doing. Like I love, I love sitting down and writing funny stuff that, that I would want to see or a book I would want to see or a story I would want to read. And seeing, you know, maybe hopefully there'll be like five people who like that. You know what my goal is? It's 
write this thing and have five people who say, I want to see the next shit this guy comes up with. And to, to bring it back to the advice thing, I'd say if you're thinking about quitting, again, you're probably already halfway there. And also, again, it's not that bad on the other side. <laughs> it's, it's really not that bad. And I think more comedians should quit, to be honest. I think oh, me too. Well, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there soon enough. Uh, Muggsy, thanks for, for dialing in. It's like the only time I've ever called you that, but it's just it's very funny for me to to – to say that um so i don't know what get, you're talking about that's my name so uh, that's right yeah sorry i've been calling you mugsy for the last 15 years um where what do you want to share website book book title please yeah please tell us what it's called give yeah, us all the info i hope i hope anybody listening please check it out and uh, honestly i'll say this too i'm selling it on amazon i self-published if anybody doesn't want to buy it i'll email you the pdf i don't care i just want people to read it um but first let's try buying it uh, it's on Amazon. The book is called Ham Sandwiches, uh, a collection or a, a, an absurd collection of short fiction. And my website is MugsyMcGeever.com. Uh, so you can get it there or just search it on Amazon. I'll, I think you're going to post the Amazon yeah. link, right? Yeah. Links are going to be in the comments to the website and to the Amazon book. Uh, yeah, please, you know. If, if you if you really want, reach out to me and I'll, I'll give you Muggsy's secret email address, or you can yeah. contact me through the website and he'll email will, you the PDF. I will totally. If you want to read it, and the the way I'll, the quick pitch, I know we're running out of time. The quick pitch I'll make for the I'll make for the book is that uh, it would be a good book to read on the toilet. Perfect. Uh, they're short stories. They're like a few pages long. Hopefully, you think they're funny. If not, that's fine. But uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good shitter book. Yeah, it should be the blurb on the uh, you blurb your own book on the front. Yes, yes, I love it. That's sh- that should be for the next one. I'll put that up. Definitely. All right, man. Well, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And, and we'll keep texting each other about how horrible all the new Marvel and Star Wars stuff is. <laughs> thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Of course, anytime.